But yeah. most agents are doing it the opposite way. They think that, oh, I'm going to do the content and that's what's going to make me rich and make me have all the listings. Yeah. You and I know tons of people in this business that are very influential that are not influencers. And I know a lot of influencers that buy their followers and don't have a lot of signs out. So don't let the vanity metrics, the followers or the views make you think that that's what you need to succeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Level Up. We have a very special guest with us today, and that is Justin Conoco. Justin is somebody I've been following for quite some time on all the different social media platforms, and I'm so happy that we've finally been able to connect. Um, I'll give you a little bit of brief overview on Justin. You Probably a lot of you may know him already, but Justin is one of the owners of Prime Real Estate Brokerage and Prime Media Productions. And he covers all, which covers all things sales, marketing, media, content production, and how to build a business. He founded the companies with his wife, Shannon, and their media company has a focus on content production with a focus on branding and sales. Justin runs a weekly podcast, which I highly recommend titled Prime People Podcast. And you've recently switched formats on that. So I'd love to get into that with you today. Um, sure. as well as well as monthly meetups, the Prime Mastermind. Justin also sits on three real estate board groups, the Professional Standards Committee, LSTAR, Brokers Issue Advisory Group, and the MLS Platform Committee. Um, and he's also involved in a lot of things outside of real estate, chambers of commerce, and things of that nature. So I don't even know how you have time to do this podcast today, but thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Yeah, nice to be here, Katie. I know I've been watching you by proximity as well, too. I always appreciate how you compose yourself and hold yourself in the industry. And I think iron sharpens iron, right? Getting around other people that are working really hard, trying to build cool things is how I do what I do. Um, I have a really good team. That's how I, I look like the busiest man alive, but I surprisingly have quite a bit of free time to do stuff like this. And I think it does help level up the industry. So no pun intended. Let's level up. <laughs> awesome. So let's let's go back in time and talk to me about how you got started in real estate. I got thrown off a cliff kicking and screaming by my wife. Um, I was in hospitality. So if anybody knows London, Ontario, that's obviously the market, like the hub of our market. I cover the whole GLA. So the greater London area, which is like St. Thomas, Grand Band, Port Stanley. It's, it is really expanding. But I used to run a little restaurant called Joe Cool's. So if you've ever been to London, everybody knows Joe Cool's. And I started off as, you know, I did every job in the company. I was a transplant from Montreal. And my dad had built um, a sales business with my mom back in Montreal in non-destructive testing. So I watched him as an entrepreneur take a loan from the bank after getting laid off, build his company from literally nothing um, into quite a significant force in that industry. And, you know, growing up with not a whole lot, watched him put in the work to get the job done. So when I moved here, did every job you can imagine for Mike Smith. I was a bouncer. I was a DJ. I was a barback. I was a manager. I was the supervisor of the barbacks because nobody was in charge. And then nobody was in charge of marketing. So I went to school for marketing, told Mike, hey, like, just give me control of the marketing initiatives at all of the companies. And I'll, I'll deploy the capital in a better way, come up with SOPs on how we could really rebrand some of these places that were struggling. That became my forte. I met the most beautiful woman in the world, my wife, Shannon. She went to Ivy. Um, she ran her parents. She helped her parents run an automotive dealership also in the middle of nowhere. So they were entrepreneurs. 
Then she went to Yorkville, ran a consulting company, um, and then came back. And we were looking for something to do together. And we had looked at franchises. We almost bought a couple restaurants. I can't mention the names because of NDAs. Um, because of my background in hospitality, her background in business, natural fit. She kept mentioning real estate. And my exact answer to her was, I don't want to be a greaseball on a golf course. You know, work hard. <laughs> I thought everything about real estate agents that the public does. Um, and she's like, no, like, we'll actually create a company that does real estate, not a brokerage. So that was the inception of Prime. So we're not a brokerage. Yeah. I actually tell people we're more a media company than we are a real estate brokerage because we don't recruit. We have a waiting list. We only hire like once or twice a year. Um, because we don't want to be a brokerage, not that there's anything wrong with that model. We're just yeah. something different, right? Just like you yep. are very different at what you do in your model. So, right. Exactly. That's amazing. How is it to work with your wife? Because I work with my husband and, you know, I, I always wonder how people, how they operate and, and kind of how you separate those duties, if at all. Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, it was hard like anything else, right? It's your relationship building. And I think when people come into a relationship, Quite often they're coming without a lot of baggage and, you know, it's their world. And then you marry somebody and now it's a combined world and you have to find a way to compromise and start serving the other person. And I do find that once you fall into that position of putting the other person first or being of service others, it naturally falls into a bit of a better cadence. You're going to fight. You're going to have arguments about how things are done. That's the nature of things. Mm -hmm. But it helped us form, like, what is she good at? She's really good at running companies and building business plans, HR, transaction coordination, negotiating with our lawyers, dealing with all that stuff. I'm not. I hate paperwork. I don't want to deal with any of that. I like everybody. I hire people in 30 seconds if it's just up to me. Um, so that was her role. I'm really the energy, right? So vision, strategy, I can have really hard conversations because of my background in hospitality. Unless you're pulling a knife on me, there's not much you're going to do to rattle me. Mm -hmm. um, and the best tip I ever got, actually, I'll share this, was from this man right here. I met Sir Hand in 2018 at his office. Awesome. And he told me, if you want to succeed in life with your wife, it's one rule you have to live by. She gets veto on anything after 6 p.m. If she says no, I don't care if it's the $40 million listing, it's mm -hmm. no. And the second thing was communicate what you're doing for the next two weeks as often as you can because as yeah. long as she knows what's going on you're going to be fine right it's the lack of communication where most problems arise absolutely yeah yeah that's what i find as well we just have to stay in communication and if things get tense or we're starting to you know feel that tension we got to talk it out as opposed to just you know hide it not not say anything about it that's that's my best advice for, for people sure. that are starting to work together as a couple but there's definitely a lot of pros as well because i remember when i was in real estate and daniel was working full time at another job trying to balance yeah. the schedules was like impossible so this is kind of a nice balance sometimes i mean it's not always perfect but it it's helpful at least for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, also being thoughtful about where you're having business conversations. We're going through this right now. Mm. Um, somebody told me like places in your home, like if, if you're going to have business discussions at the kitchen table, that's a you decision. But if you start keeping certain places sacred, like if you have founders conversations, go in the office and do it there. We like yeah. to go for walks on the beach all the time. And that's where we come up with a lot of creative ideas. If we get into something that we need to table for later, maybe we table it for later and let's keep it creative and let's keep it light and fun. Our daughter is a huge part of our business too. She travels with us. She knows everything that happens in our business. So we're, we're consciously trying to find a workflow that works for everybody, right? 
Yeah, no, that's a big one because it can be very tempting to just constantly talk about business and like, because especially as an entrepreneur, you love it, right? You just want to yeah. always talk about it, but you need to have that separation as well. So it's a very good point. Yeah. So in terms of just building your brokerage or, or not your brokerage, your media company, we'll talk about no, that. Yeah, that's fine. brokerage. It's all good. Um, how many agents are with you guys right now? So we're a team of 29 as of yesterday. We actually onboard a new agent. We have, I think, three more coming on. Um, our goal okay. was like 20 agents, high producing, ton of support okay. staff. But we found some really good people um, that cover a territory and asset class that we needed coverage on. Okay. Um, yeah, that's basically the setup. Okay, nice. And are you looking to grow that anymore or you you like to be more of a of a smaller, smaller brokerage. I, I would say we just want to maintain kind of where we're okay. at, um, increase capacity through systems, SOPs, and support staff. So the production okay. company is doing quite a bit of work in the media space um, mm -hmm. just because of what we're getting exposure-wise on the real estate side. So that yeah. team is, is kind of growing. But I think on the real estate side, we have exceptional talent. What I would like to do is really pour my heart and my wife and I's heart into the people we have now create mm -hmm. leaders before yeah. we do any further expansion, right? It's really high quality, insane quality SOPs and deliverables um, before we really look at any type of expansion. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. And I think, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. I wonder if the brokerage model is going to start to change. I mean, I hope it does because it's yeah. become very you know, all about the numbers. Right. And I've worked for brokerages that are huge and, and, you know, some are great, some not so much, but you really lose sight of the people and the culture that you can build. Um, and I, I often wonder if that model may start to adjust over time and you might see more, like I, I always say our brokerage, our brokerage is about just over 20 people. And, uh, sure. I always wonder if uh, we always refer to it as more of like a, a, a hybrid between a team and a brokerage because we just constantly collaborate with each other, but at the same time, we're our own independent agents. And yep. I just find that that sort of environment is so just, it, it's just so motivational, so inspiring. Um, and I often wonder if others will, will start to gravitate towards that sort of a model in the future, or where do you see brokerage models going? So it's interesting. So Tom Ferry calls what you described a team rich, right? Yes. It's funny. I, yeah. I discussed it with one of his coaches last year and mm -hmm. th they try and kind of put you in this whole, this bucket of, well, this is what you do. You run a team and this yeah. is what you should do to scale. And sort of, and as I step back and look at the industry, brokerages used to be what team leaders are now. Like I look at some team leaders that have teams of 200 agents that are doing 2000 deals a year. And some of them are running incredible operations they're basically running brokerages. They have a brokerage logo. Yeah. But if mm -hmm. I look at what that model is, I'm like, no, you're the actual brokerage. And I think that's where it's interesting is I think the actual brokerages, the ones that are the logos are bro broken down between three models, essentially, which are going to be your bricks and mortar kind of classic brokerages, your virtual models. And then you're going to have your boutique brokerages. Per yeah. se. Mm -hmm. What we where we actually don't even see ourselves fitting into those three models is and what you're describing is, well, I run a company that does real estate. Mm. The people that work here work in different capacities within my company. But when they hire Prime, they know that they're they're buying my systems, they're buying our platform. So when they hire Katie, I would say you run a company more similar to us than I would even compare you to those other threes. And I think agents will start realizing that they mm. have that opportunity as well to create a platform, to create a company. And they don't need 
200 agents to do it effectively. Like some of the best com best operating companies in the world started off with teams of three, five, eight, especially with AI, mm. where you can probably do a lot more with less if you are super niche at what you do and you provide something unique. And I think that's where brokerages and the large teams and the large team leads are probably more in a class of competition with each other. And then other people will start formulating companies that specialize in high value commercial or investment mm. sales, whatever that happens to look like. Um, but I think with technology, I wouldn't be surprised if it removes the brokerage element out of it because brokerages essentially now become transaction management and a call center, which you yeah. can outsource both of those things for pretty affordable prices, right? So Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Um, how does your media company, um, so, like, is it, is it a support role for the brokerage or how, how did you envision the creation of the media company and, and where is it at now? So I was the media company. So with my background, I went for to school for digital imaging and animation, editing. Yeah. I used to do all my own shooting and I did everything myself till I didn't have enough time. So mm -hmm. then I outsourced to photography companies like most agents do. The problem with that is then my competition would call them and be like, hey, can you just do the same video you did for Justin? And he would call me and be like, hey, can I do the same video for so-and-so? And he's a really good friend of mine. And I'm not that guy that's like, I got all the secrets. Like I'm special. I'm like, sure, go for it. Like, it's going to force me to go get new ideas and whatever, but it, it happened so quickly that I was in a couple listing appointments that part of my unique proposition was how I do video, right? And that they were hiring me because of, you know, my strength of talent in that space and, and the science behind it. But I'd go to get a listing and they're like, well, Johnny agent over here says they use the same photographer you do and they do the same videos you do, which they don't because they're not me, yeah. but it's still an objection that you have to overcome. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got sick of that. And also I was supposed to, I wanted to do weekly vlogs and it just wasn't feasible for me to do that with that company because of what I would have had to pay them to follow me around and do all that stuff too. So I hired a, a video editor, so a, pre, a producer video editor, so a predator is what I called him when I started. <laughs> they started off as an intern from Fanshawe and then it turned into a full-time position. And then that grew, um, he found, we ended up bringing on another guy and then the initial guy went and found another opportunity out of that space. And we, we went through back and forth with different editors and producers and people that found opportunities. One guy went to become a firefighter. And one of my video editors, my creative director right now, came via a referral during COVID. There was a restaurant that, back to my hospitality days, had a very successful producer editor that worked for them. And he just wanted to come hang. And mm -hmm. at that time, the gentleman that I had that I was outsourcing was doing a lot of independent contracts and not available. Right. And this is where it gets problematic and why I'm sharing this for your audience is if you think bringing somebody in a house is a solution, it isn't all the time, because then you get into the HR role, the training role. You're likely going to keep them two, three years at a the time. They're going to go somewhere else. It wasn't until I got my current creative director that we really looked at it as a separate entity within the prime group of companies and giving him a roadmap of, listen, this is what we can pay you salary per year. Here's the resources we have underneath you. We started hiring editors and other people that work under him to help him execute what he does, that we found the cadence that we have now. We did start doing a lot of jobs outside of real estate, but it was a problem because then I wasn't getting my videos done. Right. So we stopped that. We actually rebuilt all the systems of what's the vision for Justin's content. And I speak to real estate agents, entrepreneurs, and typically creators, teach yeah. them how to do what I do. And then on the prime channel, speak to consumers. So now that that's all ironed out, now we're starting to do a lot more production work in hospitality and fitness outside of real estate 
um, because okay. he's got his stable footing. But I would caution anybody looking to do that. You really have to put in the work first to create a strong foundation because mm -hmm. I didn't. And it took a lot of back and forth for me to figure out the model that we have now. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say without that, you probably would have never gotten to the point that you're at now. You know, you have to kind of go through those learning curves and it it takes yeah. some time sometimes, but um, it's, it's great that you're at where you are now and that you've learned all that is the media company, like what kind of videos are they producing? Are they, are they supporting your agents as well? Like how, how like how, what kind of videos are, are you doing for real estate? Well, for real estate, it's pretty simple. Like you can go on my YouTube channel and see it's yeah. listing videos, neighborhood tours, updates on the market. A lot of those I shoot myself. So the market updates are not super complicated. I do yeah. find they're just raw and organic and then short form content. Obviously short form is doing very, very well. We try and take as much of that from the long form content as we can, but batching reels is really important. So sitting down and shooting 20 videos on specific topics relating to real estate, it's yeah. just, you can plan a little bit better, get a little bit better of a hook. Um, and we find better engagement on that. He also does things where say I do thought leadership, like I spoke at buzz conference recently, he'll go and shoot some behind the scenes and then turn that into okay, short cool. form content. Right. So that's yeah. on the real estate side, on my side of the fence. Um, same thing on, if I'm doing an educational video on how I create content, which I have on my personal YouTube channel, I'll shoot a video outlining exactly how I come up with ideas, how I shoot them, how I distribute them. And then he'll put that together and then put it on my channel and then create short form content from that. My favorite thing to do though is listing videos. Um, yeah. Cinematography has always been something I've been passionate about in storytelling. So I use yeah. my properties almost as like a canvas mm -hmm. for that to scratch that itch, which is funny because listing videos get the least amount of views probably out of everything so that true. we do. I know, I know. Because it's social media content, but I like doing them, so. Yeah, they're fun. I, I'm the same way. I love doing more like storytelling behind the listing videos. And, and it's a really fun concept, I find. And it's not something that you see very often right now. I think most of the photography companies out there are just like, you know, do the point and go through diff different rooms and all that. But um, that storytelling aspect is really, I think, important and really sets you apart as a real estate agent when you can kind of capture that within a property. So and I, I do think, I, I just want to touch on that for a second, because I think people yeah. get stuck in the vanity metrics where they're like, yeah. well, it doesn't get as many views. But if you only have 300 views, that's still 300 people that watch your video. Yep. And the person, the people that buy our listings from those videos have watched our videos over and over and over mm. and over because yeah. they're the person that that draws an emotion from. Right. So yeah. I'd encourage people to get away from the vanity metrics and use video to connect with people's souls because it will draw the right people into your properties for sure. And, you know, intro, outro, hey, I'm Johnny, ABC real estate agent. I mean, you're no different than anybody else. You just get lost in the noise, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you find is the biggest challenge for agents with content creation? Do you, like when you're talking to agents, what, is there something that sticks out that just keeps a common trend that you're seeing? Imposter syndrome, um, comparison syndrome. So yeah. they spend a lot of time looking at people like myself or other people that have been doing it for a long time and thinking that I can't do that because they're good at it and I'm not. Yeah. I think fear is a liar, right? One of my favorite songs of all time. Just play that song before you shoot a video and it'll solve it. <laughs> it. It literally, it prevents you from even starting to develop the skill. So say you were going to do jujitsu and you were so scared that you were going to get your neck broken that you never go to an academy, you would never realize that it's called the gentle art because it's built to help ease you into it and 
put you in a position where a black belt is probably the safest person in the world to roll with, right? So expose yourself to it, try it, and you'll find out if it's for you. And video isn't for everybody. Some yeah. people shouldn't be. Yeah. They try point. and be somebody they're not. And I think on the comparison trap side of things, that's where I think the biggest danger lies. And I wrote an article about this where the article was called Kill the Celebrity Real Estate Agent. It was on my LinkedIn. It's mm -hmm. why I spoke at Buzz. Virginia called me. She's like, hey, can you talk about this? And it was around the premise that like every agent that gets licensed thinks I have to go viral on TikTok to succeed. I need to do a lifestyle photo shoot in front of a nice car. I need to, I need to be this person that I'm not in order for people to want to work with me, which is inherently completely not true. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're somebody that loves fishing. Maybe you're somebody that loves running. Maybe you're somebody that has a passion for coffee. Like yeah. if you can figure out what makes you inherently unique and make that a part of your content, that is how you're going to connect with more people like you who you will actually enjoy working with. And then it yeah. will feel effortless. People don't do it because they try and be somebody that they're not. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. And, and I think you're right. I think half the people out there are thinking, I hate this, but I, they feel like they have to do it. And I also think there's this, like this misconception out there that you need to do video in order to be successful. Well, in fact, through my own experience in trying to create content, I find that has that sometimes becomes the biggest time waster and my productivity is impacted so much because I'm so focused on getting that one reel a day out when I could have had five conversations with people offline and that would have furthered my business even more. So I think that misconception is really dangerous when people think that that's, that's all they need to do. Just put a video out there and, and they're going to get the the leads and all that and just focus all your time on that. And you're just stuck mm -hmm. in a room all day, not talking to anybody else, not having conversations, not creating relationships. And it's, it's really dangerous. And I feel like people can get really um, disappointed and discouraged that way. The, the three main principles of the article was exactly that, Katie. So okay. I was telling people I need in the to article. Read this article. <laughs> yeah. It, do you know the market? Do you yeah. have goals and do you have systems, right? Do you know how to pick up the phone and actually talk to a lead? Because if you put out the reel and the lead calls you and they're like, hey, I'm interested in a home in Sunningdale. Do you know yeah. anything about Sunningdale or recent comparables? Well, no, because you haven't done the work. And I think we need to get back to basics in our industry yes. and be craftsmen and craftswomen at what we do and be skilled. And then you can do the content to generate the lead because you're actually prepared to have the conversation. The imposter syndrome comes because you don't look at the dailies. You don't even look at the MLS three times a day. You have no idea what's active or sold. You don't pick up the phone to call those agents and say, oh, congrats on the sale. Anything about that sale that was interesting? Mm -hmm. If they tell you, then the lead calls you and the lead's like, oh, hey, well, yeah, actually that's this happened in that sale. That's why it sold for that. You will close that lead in a second because yeah. you're telling them something they can't find on MLS. But yeah. most agents are doing it the opposite way. They think that, oh, I'm going to do the content and that's what's going to make me rich and make me have all the listings. Yeah, You and I know tons of people in this business that are very influential that are not influencers and i know a lot of influencers that buy their followers and don't have a lot of signs out so don't let the vanity metrics the followers or the views make you think that that's what you need to succeed yeah no so true what would you how do you set up your days because i i feel like you've got Maybe you don't, but I feel like you've got it down to a science where you've probably like, you seem to, and I don't, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like you have a good way of, of sectioning out, like, you know, this is, this time is set off for this, this specific activity, so on and so forth. Do you, do you have that 
or, or do you find, or you were kind of fly by the seat of your pants and just managed to accomplish everything? How much time do you have? Cause I, I could do two hours on this. Um, go <laughs> we need to, my to have YouTube you back for that conversation. So if you go to my YouTube channel and you type in how to play my day, I have all kinds of videos on it and it is a work in progress. Right. And it's something that's always changing. Here's my current format for like planning your year is what I would actually say is you want to start with your year first. And here's my order. That's important to me. It's faith, family, fitness, fun, finances. What are my goals in all five of those things from a yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily perspective. And then once I map that out, I'll actually front load my year. So if I, I would tell everybody, I challenge you, take a 30-day vacation once a year, take a one-week vacation once a quarter, take a three-day weekend once a month, and do mm -hmm. one thing a day that scares you. And then yeah. put that in your calendar. So if I'm front-loading a 30-day vacation with my wife, and I'm like, hey, one's kind of quieter and good to, you know what, let's go away in June, come back for August, it'll be rampant in the fall, awesome, perfect, it's in the calendar. Now, if I'm like, okay, from a fitness perspective, I'm having low back pain and hip pain because you know went through a recovery from a surgery two years ago. Mm. I need to stretch in the morning and night. Awesome, put it in my calendar. From a faith perspective, what can I do to improve my relationship with God? Probably pray in the morning and at night, put it in my calendar. From a work perspective, or sorry, from a fun perspective, I like fly fishing. Mm. Spring, fall run in Godrich. So make sure that I'm going on a, a float trip with one of my buddies and fishing. And then from a finance perspective, which is last in order, what do I need to do to succeed in my business? And the reason that I give people that format is I'll extrapolate that year to almost a weekly calendar where I know what my cadence is. I know my repeating tasks from a work perspective only happen Monday to Thursday, which mm -hmm. is my prospecting time, which is my learning time, which is my building time, my working on my business. My appointments, I'll put six days a week and you know the odd time if I have to do it seven days a week and it's dollar productive, get the deal done, I'll always do it. But I always take one day a week to rest. And then that cadence for me becomes a lot easier to manage. So you ask me, like, what is your schedule like? Mondays is a founder's day. So me and my wife who own the brokerage are typically moving big rocks at the brokerage operationally. And we're working on files, right? So it is, I'm working from the, the Grand Bend office and I'm leading the team from there. I used to do like all of my morning meetings, Monday morning, team huddle, all these things, mm. first thing in the morning, but I wasn't doing my deep work. So I had to change that. Tuesdays are my heavy, heavy training days and prime real estate days. So we're in the office, we're training with the team for three hours. We have our red zone meetings where we're moving the balls forward on our collaborative files. And it's very much all hands on deck. Tuesday is all business. Um, and then Wednesday is typically a flex day. If I'm mm. territorially having to do a listing video or a listing appointment, whatever, I'm kind of all over the place. Thursday, Thursday's more media day. So if I'm doing podcasts, things like this, in studio shooting real estate content it's here friday saturdays i work 70 80 percent of the time i'll do open houses but if i challenge you to say take a three-day weekend once a month i don't throw my whole schedule out of whack that oh my gosh now i have to cancel everything on a friday because i'm going away i've pre-built the schedule right. so morning routine learning deep work then activate team meetings afternoons are typically for appointments here's the last piece i'll give you on this I hit that schedule like 60 to 70% of the time. I'm mm. not perfect. And yeah. I think people also get tied up and super emotional about, I didn't wake up at 5 p.m. I didn't cold plunge today. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm like, yeah. you need adaptability, okay? If all of your yeah. identity is wrapped up into you, all you do is cold plunge and you take that away from you and you're nothing, you have a bigger problem yeah. than just cold plunging. And mm -hmm. it's the same thing with work. If all my identity is wrapped up into my perfect schedule and one thing gets out of whack and I freak out, 
that's a problem. So I'm very flexible with my schedule and I'll move time blocks around, but having the framework helps yeah. me move closer to my goals on a daily basis. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you find it's a challenge to stay focused? Like emails come in, like text messages, phone calls, like how are you managing the stuff that you can't control? So from an email perspective, I have a couple eyeballs on my inbox more than okay. me. So yeah. Like I mm -hmm. only really have to check my inbox at in the morning, maybe at lunch and then at night, not okay. 800 times a day. The average person touches their phone 354 times a day. Think about that. But if you're focused for 30 minutes with not a hundred tabs open on your computer, you could probably clear your inbox in 30 minutes, mm -hmm. right? If, yeah, if you so true. Yeah, make a system around it. So I, inbox doesn't stress me out. I've set parameters with my clients too. My team's really good at communicating and, and jumping on stuff. So if we have a lot of files on the go and clients are asking for stuff, there's usually somebody in place that is answering that question. And if it can't be answered, we have a system to make sure it gets escalated to me. But again, it's all how you train people. So if you take the time to train them to have that decentralized command to make decisions without having to ask you for everything, it empowers you to be able to do more. But at the same time, that's the perfect world. 70% of the time, 30% yeah. of the time, it's absolute chaos and phones ringing nonstop. And, but that's kind of the fun part about our job too, is being in that chaos from time it's true. to time. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Do you have a definition for a successful day? Like, do you come out of a day or go into a day saying to yourself, okay, if this happens or if I'm able to do this, then it's been a successful day or is it not defined for you? It's the same order that I kind of gave you before. So okay. if I feel if like can... my heart's in a good place with God, if I feel like I'm a great husband yeah. and father to my daughter, if I feel like my fitness is in a good place, which is a combination of mental, physical, and diet. Um, mm -hmm. If I feel like I had some fun outside of just work, and if I do feel like I was productive and I came through on my promises and impacted people, I guess that's the biggest thing. Like yeah. I would start with my wife and daughter. If I made them feel good, then I'll go down the list of like, okay, mm -hmm. if I made that feel good, what about this? What about this? What about this? Right. And yeah, holistically, like my pastor told me, you have five cups of water, one liter of water. You can fill up your work cup to 10 live yeah. your whole life like that and leave the other cups empty. But you have to recognize that there's a balance between all of those different aspects of your life, right? So that's probably my yeah. answer is checking in on those things, which mm -hmm. I am crazy about. I use an app called Strides, S-T-R-I-D-E-S, okay. where I do have like markers of success in those things. And I'll okay. actually say, did I do this today? Did I not do this today? Mm -hmm. And then I can track it over time and just see where where that water level actually is Versus what how I tell myself it is because humans yeah. have an innate ability to negotiate with themselves, right? Yeah, no, it's so true. And, you know, it's easy to take for granted the relationships that you have, you know, the your kids, your, your, your spouse, your friends, whatever, you know, you always think that they're going to be around. So you tend to, not everybody, but I mean, I find I struggle with that. I prioritize the business or the, you know, the quick reactions versus, yeah. you know, the people that you love the most, which is crazy. So that advice I think is so important is that's who you start with. That's not who you end off with at the end of the night when, you know, you're exhausted and you don't want to you talk to anybody anymore. So thank you for, for saying that. Cause I think that's really important. Well, back to the influencer conversation, you know, I know a lot of rich people that ended up lonely on their deathbed and nobody could 
care less about what they did because they treated poorly people very yeah. poorly, right? I think we yeah. all know those stories. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people who didn't have very much, but they had a lot of love, loyalty, and respect, and they had hundreds of people at their funeral. Yeah. And people are yeah. still telling stories about them. And I think we have to keep that at the heart of what we do. I think mm -hmm. we live in a world that is built around consumption. I think we live in a world where people are addicted to instant gratification and allergic to accountability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. where I think we can, we all joke about this, but you can be the change you want to see in the world. And it, it does really start with you and yeah. how you treat the people around you. And I'm talking to myself when I say this, because I know I can improve with my wife. Yeah. I know I can improve with my daughter, yeah. my team, but it's hard in this business because you, you're a driver as well and you're competitive, I'm sure. And it's easy to get caught up in the game sometimes, right? It is. Yeah, no, 100%. So as we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, I am an avid listener, listen every week. And I know you've recently changed the format a little bit. So do you want to talk sure. a little bit about about what's going on on with the Prime People? Is it called still called the Prime People Podcast? It is. Yeah. Okay. And actually, if you'd like to be a guest on it, um, on March the 2nd, I'm hosting a private mastermind. Your listeners can come to if they want, if they'd like to be there awesome. in person for a QA. and a um, okay. We're going to do a panel discussion. I have a $2.8 million hobby farm. It's exceptional. It would be oh, fantastic cool. as like a hotel. And I was thinking about this because I was doing like a mega open house anyways. And I always invite agents across Ontario and be interesting to see some of the people that actually are coming mm. and I, I meant to say it to you that you are welcome to come 1 to 2 p.m if you want to be on a panel discussion talk about all the things we talked about today sales and marketing i'll extend that invite but the prime people podcast started off as me just being curious about how people do things i would film it and i put it out there started off with my local market and then expanded to have some incredible guests on from across north america and that is 100% geared at real estate agents, entrepreneurs, and creators. Like I've mm -hmm. had Benji Travis on. I've had people on that are not at all related to real estate. And then I've had amazing people on like Glenda. Ryan's been on a bunch of times. Scott McGilvery and a few others that mm -hmm. a lot of people would recognize here. Fly on the wall. And that was virtual during COVID, in person at the office. People can make it here. Estates, Entrepreneurs, and Expressos is a prime people production. So that's what I'm calling it. Lives on the same Love channel, it. same same audio podcast. So if you want to mm -hmm. hear, say, me and Dave Hutch talk about downtown Toronto real estate, looking at condos, how he kind of grew in the business, things he learned. What I do is I would come down and see you. I would mic you up at your office. Then we'd hop in a car, go to your favorite coffee shop, talk to your baristas, grab a coffee, and then go see one of your listings or go see real estate in your area. Mm -hmm. So toured North Toronto with Mark That's Arnstein. Cool. We have an episode Taylor Hack drop today whole bunch of different people where we just feature them and talk about stuff behind the scenes and you kind of forget the mics are on when you're drinking coffee with somebody in a car yeah and yeah we've had to cut out a couple things that like matt leonetti was move, making a move to another brokerage and he's like oh wait a second like oh. we shouldn't have had that in there at that point <laughs> we changed it and we posted yeah. it after mm -hmm. but you get so much of the behind the scenes of what really makes people successful and that's that's one of the new formats that we're doing right now yeah no, that's really cool. I love that. I love the behind, I mean, the behind the scenes, everybody wants to always be able to listen sure. in on. So the Mark Salerno one I thought was really good. He was, I think almost even uh, negotiating a deal of, like yeah. in the car. We had to cut out half that conversation. I bet. I was thinking, I'm like, like, how oh, are we no. going to, I know. <laughs> I was wondering yeah. how far it was going to go, but yeah, no, it was, it was good. So if, um, I, if I sent you the full unedited, you'd be like, that's amazing. Cause he, he <laughs> goes back and forth and she did a great 
reach out to, but again, just out of privacy and whatnot, you were pretty For conscious. Sure. Yeah, it, but yeah, yeah. Here's the concept. We actually did a direct ripoff of comedians in cars drinking coffee. That was the oh, inception. So okay. it was get the agent driving their car, grab a coffee. And then instead of us sitting in the coffee shop, I'm like, we can go look at houses. How much cooler yeah. is that? Right. So yeah. Mark took me through a $7.5 million house and we did a whole tour Jeez. on that episode. It was fun. That's really fun. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to link to your podcast and, and all the places where people can find you. Where's the best pe place for people to connect with you? Without a doubt, YouTube is where all that's uh, hosted. But if you go to yeah. justinconico.com slash resources, yeah. a lot of my like daily planners, how to shoot video, a lot of my PDF guides will get you on my mailing list. And then whenever we launch a new video, we just send it out to everybody um, just to make yeah. it easy for people to find the content. Awesome. Well, it was such a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and for speaking to us. And uh, I mean, I I love following you on all the platforms. I don't know how you do it with all of them, but uh, I always see you everywhere and you're always providing a lot of great value and advice to people, very positive. And that's really refreshing, especially in today's uh, social media world. So appreciate it. I appreciate you having me and thanks everybody for being here. And Katie, you keep doing what you're doing. And I appreciate how you approach this industry. Thanks, Justin. Take care. Level up, level up, level up, level up, level up.